Welcome to the Melt Zone Podcast. This is episode 30 from February 17th, 2020. I'm Tom. And I'm Stefan. And on today's episode, we talk about upcoming events where you might be able to meet us. Um, on other remarks, both of us have been doing a couple of new material testing video. Tom talks a little bit about is or can resin 3D prints be isotropic or are they? I talk a little bit about my foaming PLA video and if it is a material that is usable for daily prints. Then I got a new toy, a direct pellet extruder, which I just mounted on my CR10 yesterday and I talk about my first experience and we discuss a little bit if it is a viable option for which 3D printers. Uh, Tom has been kicked from the Amazon affiliate program and sorry, amazon.com affiliate program. And yeah, just talks a little bit about his experience there in the, or on the news section, uh, the effects of the coronavirus on the 3D printing industry. Are we affected? Is it just we that are affected or is it whole China? Yeah, we will. Yeah, let you know what we think about that. On other new topics, news topics, um, MakerBot has released the classroom sketch package that we have uh, speculated about last time. And it is $1,800 for two fairly low-end printers. Why that could actually be worth it uh, or why not? We'll talk about that. And we skip right to questions uh, where we have a really a few really interesting ones. Um, the first one is about uh, Creative Commons and how that can and cannot defend your 3D models from being sold and ripped off uh, or your 3D prints off of your 3D models. We talk about the Ivy 3D printers hot end, which supposedly uses a piece of ceramic and how that, you know, what 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 type of ceramic that could be, how that could be used, and, and whether that makes sense at all. Um, an issue we try to diagnose from Rex that is uh, seeing circles not being printed straight. And finally, a few notes on the Dragon Hotten, which is a cross between the Mosquito and the E3D. Is that something you should reuse? We don't know, to be honest. Yeah, Tom, did I hear that you'll go to Malta this year? Yes, yes, sir. That is uh, confirmed on invitation from uh, 3D Maker Noob. Cool. He's like, hey, dude, you want to come over? And I was like, yeah, sounds like, you know, sounds like a nice place to go in. Uh, when am I actually going? March, March? mid-March. Yeah. yeah. So first Malta Maker Fair this year. It's the first Maker Fair in Malta or the first official Maker Fair in Malta and the first time that I'm in Malta as well. Cool. And I've I've heard you're not going, unfortunately. Uh no, I'm I'm just too busy. Murph is the week after, I think, that Maker Fair. Yeah, it's right it the next weekend. Wouldn't just it would it would be too much traveling for me and oh, uh, I'm flying out to Murph. <laughs> you are going you're flying to Murph Friday nine twenty five or something like that. Okay. Yeah. I am this year I'm okay. flying to Murph one day earlier just because it, it was too stressful for me last time you you didn't want to travel with me <laughs> uh, on the topic of stressful mm, no of course not uh <laughs> nah. um well the thing is if i'm in the u.s i at least want to 
enjoy being there for at least a day and well last year it was just getting to chicago taking uh the the the, the car to goshen we had our like one hour stay in chicago when we yeah. drove back to the airport but this was more stressful because we were horribly <laughs> late so yeah i'll be flying to chicago one day earlier um plan for me is go a little bit shopping have some chicago deep dish style pizza uh chicago style right. hot dog uh just stroll around the city a little bit and then hopefully next day meet you at the airport and hopefully you're gonna take me uh to to to, to goshen yeah that's the that's the plan and then on the way back we're on the same flight or yeah somewhere we're, no we're in the same exact same flight yeah. okay so we can we can yeah. either repeat what we did last year or uh <laughs> no. do it better. <laughs> yeah. this was this was uh too too close for me last we, year we made it yeah, we made it we made it um <laughs> yeah so. so yeah uh that's that's murph so we're both at murph all three days this time well friday friday is for for me at least so we, we yeah we're gonna drive yeah. up together so friday's gonna be we're gonna get there at night um at some time so I'm going to be completely done for the day. Um, you'll have adjusted a bit, hopefully. Um, so we'll see if we'll be there Friday night. But all of Saturday and Sunday, um, we'll both be there. Let's see how the how the new bigger venue is going to be. Oh, yes. Um, I've, I've, so I've heard it's going to be way bigger than the last few times. Okay. I mean, it, it would be dumb not to make it bigger than the last few times because honestly, like it was borderline dangerous with how cramped mm. and, and, and filled up it was. Um, but yeah, it it was also not really nice just walking in between in between the aisles because uh, everything was so cramped. And I think it's especially going to be nicer if if everything is just in one big place instead of having this separation between yeah yeah that one extra hall was a bit out of the way um that, that was a bit weird um honestly earth was was actually really good in that regard they had a gymnasium i think um where you know we had nice big rows and everything was organized and you could walk through and it was there were lots of people there but it, it never felt crowded that was actually really nice. Let's see if Murph ends up pulling the same, <laughs> the same feel for the event. Yeah. Um, and yeah. this year, yeah, and this year I have actually uh, also booked like my Murph special, I don't know, uh, invitation badge in advance because last year Ooh, I was afraid I, that I, 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 I wasn't, dude, I they wouldn't allow me in. <laughs> yeah, you can check your emails. Um, I should check that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but but talking about Malta Maker Fair and Murph, there's also Sweden 3D printing meetup the weekend before Malta Maker Fair. Ooh, that's that close. Yeah, yeah. Um, Jonathan, Jonathan, yeah, yeah, actually got in touch with me and was like, "Hey, Tom, any plans?" And I, I have not gotten back to him yet. <laughs> uh, so, are you going to Sweden? No, um, no. Also, just because it's yeah. it's too much traveling and uh, so many things are happening this year and especially in april so i thought nah i can't do it next year hopefully next hey, year. hey at least it's not all on the same weekend yeah uh, which was two years three years ago when uh, sweden 3d printing meetup and murph were on the exact same weekend Ooh. and half of the people were missing from from sweden 3d printing three meetup i was in sweden at that time i i 
I had committed to Sweden before I realized that Murph was going to be the same mm-hmm. weekend. So, yeah, at least that is is a bit better taken care of. Okay. Yeah, I would really like to go there because, well, I was in Sweden once and it, it's really nice there. It's expensive, but um, also using it's not it that expensive. Oh, yeah, it's, it's it's more expensive. It's it's as expensive for a German like I think I think Switzerland. Never been to Switzerland, so ne- you've never been to Switzerland. I mean, you're, Switzerland is right around the corner for you, yeah. right? Yeah. But whenever I go anywhere, um, Switzerland is like way out of the way. So okay. if you go to Italy, it's like <laughs> there. Uh, France, you don't go through Switzerland. Like there's there's nothing that would take me through Switzerland. Okay. <laughs> so it's it, it's just not on the map for me, yeah. I guess. Yeah. And if you are driving to Italy, you will probably take the Brenner Pass or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. So we usually go through switzerland so yeah i've been there a couple of times and it and it's well, expensive <laughs> well yeah yeah sure cool so yeah if if you guys uh yeah want to get in touch with us uh yes yeah, say hello at murph have a uh, an elbow bump <laughs> well, i mean fist bumps have been working out pretty well fist, for me yeah fist bumps <laughs> it's it's not as awkward as doing the entire elbow thing you don't have to explain yeah. that much um and it still feels personal kind of <laughs> and and i didn't i don't think i got sick the last few times i were i was at meetups and and before that when i did proper handshakes I, i'd always be done for the for the rest of the week so okay. uh, I'll, I'll stick with fist bumps yeah works for me ready then um so that's the upcoming meetups for next month and i guess there's more for the rest of the, of the year but that's going to come up as it as it happens um what have we been working on let's start with well we've we've, we've both been doing material tests yeah on the same day it's uh, <laughs> that that was not coordinated we should coordinate more there <laughs> um you've been doing foaming pla and i've actually watched your video for once <laughs> i usually don't but uh, i was like okay this is this is good i want to know more about this i skipped through a few pits but that's fine um i've i've made some notes here so um First of all, I, I guess people watch Stefan's video. Um, really good info on the Colorfab, Colorfab, yeah. foaming PLA, lightweight PLA. Um, first note there. So you've got that that graph where you lose a lot of mechanical properties or mechanical strength, I guess it was. Yeah. Um, by starting and you lose proportionally more strength than you lose uh, in weight by the foaming action exactly. by having that that cellular structure. Yep. So um, the question is like, where is where is that strength going? Um, because it's it's still, I mean, it's still material there. Yeah. Um, is that is that loss in strength made up by the fact that you have more volume now? That you have a flächenträgheit moment, a larger cross sectional area, so you, you you can take more load with the same weight. Mm-hmm. Is that compensated by that, or, or what's what's happening there? No. So this is actually as I also said in the video, a quite well-known phenomenon, phenomenon, sorry, for lattice structures and for um, foams, uh, cellular structures. So um, an easy example. Um, So you have a fully dense material and you, for example, do a, a compression test. Then all of the material, which is between your upper and lower plate and between you, you add the compression, will 
um, will be used for resisting that compression. But imagine if you have, for example, a structure that is yeah. built up out of uh, vertical struts and horizontal struts, which is basically a ladder structure in the end. So yeah. the horizontal struts will still participate in, for example, the compression stiffness, but the vertical, sorry, the horizontal ones, they won't um, contribute a lot to that property. And this is the reason why you decrease or you increase the porosity and um, you don't decrease the, or you decrease the material property more than um, the amount of density you, you take so away. Is that just a, a measuring thing because you're only measuring like one direction, one force at the same time? Or like if you have overlaid forces, if you have like a torque and yeah. a tensile force on yeah. it, um, then I think that phenomenon would not apply because you, it, you do it, have... It, it would apply as well. It would apply as well. Okay. It um, So there are scaling rules for different types of lattice or, or porous structures and depending on the shape of the unit cell that you're having and unit cell is for me for example a block with a pore in the middle or for example yeah. this like ladder structure where you have a couple of beams in, in specific directions if you if you have infill for example infill yep. is, is a ladder structure right exactly. um, if you have cubic infill yep. like each of those yep. cubic cells those cubic air pockets essentially yep. that's one unit for you yeah exactly so yeah, th this is the reason um, that there are some parts of material in that lattice structure that are not contributing to that mechanical property anymore, be it strength, be it stiffness or, or other things. But it depends on the type of lattice structure that you're using. For example, if you have a honeycomb structure where you have only vertical Just, uh, walls, um, yeah. There, you should have a linear proportionality between density of the lattice and the strength. But as soon right. as um, you don't have that perfectly oriented structure anymore, um, you will need to apply um, any kind of scaling rule and it won't be proportional anymore. All right, so, so is there... Because the, this is something that yeah is, is totally logical but i didn't have in the back of my head so does it make sense at all to have any sort of, of like an infill structure in an fdm print um because you're creating that lattice structure yeah. and and weakening your print for the same amount of, of material used as well uh in that case like well in that case i guess it's uh, we, we we do have those different structures we do have cubic which is a omnidirectional or, or isotropic more or less um pattern that that has strength in all directions but we also do have the honeycomb the classic yeah. 2d honeycomb um which like you mentioned is in the compression in the z direction is or, or tensile uh, tension in the z direction is is good but in the other two directions it would i mean it's still going to give you some strength but not as yes, much exactly um so where, where am i going with this does it does it make sense to use infill at all? Um, yes, of course, because you are saving weight, printing time, and everything that comes with it. In terms of yeah, strength, you need to choose a proper infill for the load that you expect. 
Um, if you have, for example, just a simple compression, Honeycomb will be the proper infrastructure if you orient the parts during printing in a way that also the honeycomb is, is loaded yeah. in the proper direction. Obviously, yeah. If you are not 100% sure what kind of loading you'll have in the end, go more for the three-dimensional infill structures like cubic infill, like uh, gyroid infill, where um, a scaling rule again applies. So um, stiffness and uh, uh, infill ratio will not be totally linear proportional anymore but um, it will be kind of similarly good in all directions. Yeah. So I guess for for FDM prints, it, uh, we, we've been at this before, it always makes sense to use thicker shells, a thicker shell on the outside, um, more than it makes sense to increase uh, infill for, for I guess two reasons. Um, one is on the outside of your part, you're always gonna see maximum stresses. So that's where you can really make use of that material, but also, um, no point loads. I guess you do need some. Yeah, you do need some fine infill yeah. to um, to cater to to like real point loads to to keep the part from, you know, cracking it mm. at that one spot. In most of the cases, this is true. Uh, but for ex well, like the only cases where ladder structure also in in real application makes mechanical sense is um, in compressive. Well in compressive load cases where, uh, when you, for example, orient your, your honeycomb structure in a proper way, or if you really only use infill for filling a void in a part that is not loaded at all. For example, in a bending beam where you say, okay, I use a very low infill density in the middle of my part and only have material on the outside. And I would otherwise not be able to print that structure without that infill. Then it also With makes that, sense, and I guess, uh, and I guess against buckling as well, um, infill does help. Yeah, buckling, local buckling, especially. Yeah, definitely. So some infill is usually good for for the stability of parts, but in most cases, um, infill is not like hundred percent efficient. Meaning that um, yeah. a fifty. 50% filled part will probably be less strong than 50% of a 100% same part. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. This is something really interesting. And um, uh, I wasn't really aware of that and the explanation of that in the past. And when okay, I did that cool. video, I, I'm, I'm glad that I'm not alone. No, in no, 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 no. <laughs> because you really need to wrap your mind around why is an infill structure? Why do you have this non-proportionality and things like yeah. that? But if you understand it, it's really interesting. And uh, yeah, I, I actually learned a lot. I heard about that phenomenon like two years ago on like a research meeting where I went and uh, just last week when I did the video, I thought, ah, I heard something about that. And I <laughs> Googled around until I found that um, Ashby scaling law again, where this is explained yeah. and then I understood it again. It's it's good if uh, if you know that is that there is something like that. Um, and 
if you have a special application, you can take a look at different scaling rules for, for different types of infill or different uh, type of lattice and then apply the proper lattice or infrastructure for your application. Yeah, uh, on the topic of proper infrastructures, my entire studio desk here, um, that's all IKEA tables. Yeah. Um, what are these called? Linmon, I think, um, which are basically a, a thin veneer up top and in the bottom and just a cardboard honeycomb in the center. Yep. So these are incredibly lightweight, but they can take my full weight mm -hmm. uh, on one of those tabletops. Yep. And that is a, a material efficient way of, of using that. Yep. So. Also doors, like normal yeah. doors in, in households, they're all filled with um, cardboard, cardboard honeycomb, because you yep. also don't want to have like a massive, really thick door because it's heavy to open and heavy to close. I mean, for for exterior doors, yeah. you, you kind of do want it, but for just yeah. the, the regular ones, yeah. save some weight, yeah. save some material, save the planet. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an interesting topic. Um, uh, okay, sorry. <laughs> I, I it is yeah, it, it is an it, interesting topic, it is an yeah. interesting topic, and also the material is really interesting to work with, and I think you also wrote on our show notes is it a usable material ah, yes. for, for daily prints so so what was yeah, your reasoning behind that there, there were some comments uh i think on, on twitter or something where, where someone was like oh yeah here uh you save like 60 percent of, of your of your materials but you use 60 percent less material in your prints so would you actually consider using the uh the foaming pla for just wherever else you'd be using regular PLA and just using it in a slightly foamy setting and, and saving some material, <laughs> save some money, potentially, I don't know. Uh, yeah, you, you got to save a lot of material. So the, I think one roll is 45 bucks for 750 grams, which makes it 60 bucks for a kilogram. So even with like saving 60% of the weight, it's still 25 to 30 bucks a kilogram in its foam state um for this reason I mean, let's let's say somebody let's let's just leave cost out of okay. the way um let's just say somebody somebody else uh comes in and just throws some baking powder in there uh film with extruder and, and is like yep there you go there's your foaming stuff <laughs> um is it is it usable is it like retracts i i know are an issue mm. um is it like overall would you would you be able to use it for just your daily printing stuff you would, though I wouldn't recommend it. Um, just purely out of the reason because of all of the stringy material that you're getting. Um, it is kind of easy to remove. Uh, you can sand the surfaces and stuff like that, but it's still a hassle. Um, I still think that this is a specialized material for certain applications, be, in, be it lightweight structures, be it maybe like thermally insulating structures. Um, yeah. The material is easy to sand, so it might be nice for props and things like that. What I also noticed, what I unfortunately... Oh, oh props, yeah. as in... Uh, no, not uh, for Model propellers. props, not... not pro okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? Are you correct? Uh, uh, one thing that I noticed, and I unfortunately didn't... Um, didn't say that in the video that usually if you take a, a sharpie and mark apart what i usually do with all of my my, my test yep. stuff is 
that the ink kind of floats in between the layers and yeah. uh, just so due to all that. Uh, capillary effects and stuff like that. Like that yeah. Due to the pores that you have in this material, you can really nicely and sharply draw on, on, on the material. That is cool. I don't know if there's a special application for that, but this might also be a really nice property. Does that... Did he, did he observe at what uh, foam ratio that was starting to happen? Like, if you, if you just want a print that is property-wise mostly just a regular um, PLA, but you get that extra madness to it? So I just have my, like, test part in front of me, and I'd say you need to go, like, almost all the way to get... Okay. So the really nicely all foamed up state, all foamed up, nice gray, gray surface where you also have this absorption potential. Because I think before you don't have any open porosity on the surface. And I think those open okay. pores that puffed up, they yeah, help you sure. just, just suck up all the ink that you put on the material so that it doesn't flow. What I'm really curious is how good, for example, epoxy might stick on such a part because I think it there might be the potential that it really grabs into the surface. Yeah. Um, one thought, I'd, I I know we're, we're already rambling on, on these topics, but um, one thought I just had is if we combine the, um, the foam PLA with a resin surface finish, um, first of all, it's really going to bond well to the surface, but also it's going to give you that rigid shell around your, your foam part mm -hmm. um, while still giving you a lightweight, well, I guess... I guess it's like using infill, but you, you have a much finer infill structure, uh, lighter structure. Yeah. So that, that might be a nice combination if you if yeah. you want the lighter weight, but don't want the uh, the rough surface. Mm. I've been browsing on RC groups a couple of days ago where also people were using the lightweight PLA for like planes. And I've seen a couple Obviously, of guys yeah. Uh, just, yeah, also using epoxy on it and also glass fiber in epoxy. Because if you yeah. have a really thin glass fiber mesh, this will add a ton of rigidity to your part. And is probably it better than will just also add a lot of weight though. Ah well you have you have um glass fiber meshes that are only like I think twenty-five or, or fifty grams per square meter. So it's not too bad. Oh yeah okay. it's really really thin stuff. But the problem is if you only purely put epoxy on the part, I think it's more for having a nice like glossy surface in the end, surface finish. Yeah. But I think it will not add that much strength because the resin itself doesn't help a lot with strength of a part it's you, you're putting a brittle and rigid yeah. material on top of something that is flexible mm. and soft so you you do get cracking yeah all right cool very interesting stuff with the foaming pla yeah. I, I do need to get my hands on it i've actually got the uh, second uh, flying wing kit um that i do want to replace or print some extended parts for cool. um, I still need to get back to. I'm, I'm sure Color Fab might send you a roll or two. They've they've already tried to get in touch with me. I've not responded. <laughs> I, I'm bad at responding to emails. <laughs> Sorry, Color Fab, if you're listening. Yeah. So yeah, I I've been testing filaments. You have been comparing resins to FDM 3D printed parts. Yes. And actually, behind me we can see the. Uh, you can't because you're on the bad webcam. Sorry. Um, but behind me, the SO1 is already printing the this the the next set of test parts. Um, for that that series 
Um, so yeah, I've been comparing filament to resin, and I've, I've been really surprised by how strong, especially the the Elegoo resin is. Yeah. Um, I guess because it's it's a solid material and it it stays kind of rubbery. They might ha might have put some modifier in there to keep it a bit on the soft and elastic side. It does perform extremely well in pretty much all regards. So, yeah, that, that was a that was a surprise. Um, but of course, you can watch the video, which maybe you have, maybe you haven't. Uh, of course, I have. I watch all <laughs> of your videos <laughs> um, since I'm a huge yeah, fanboy. Uh, yeah, thanks. Uh, I, <laughs> it's it's interesting that, that that people keep commenting. Oh, you you continuing the work of uh, of CNC Kitchen? Like, <laughs> well, Stefan does it better, and then you comment. Well, Tom's done it first. Um, I mean, I'm not sure if first is is much of a um, something I should pride myself in. I've, yeah, I, I think I, I've done material tests before you, but you've been doing that more scientifically. Uh, but you have been doing it more approachable. I think there is a reason to have both. Yeah, and that that's always been a a staple of Philoween. I, I I didn't want to set out doing like everything perfectly because I, once I, I once I crossed that threshold of wanting to be super scientific, I feel like I have to do it perfectly. Yeah. Because once I say okay, this is done to ISO whatever, um, then yeah, it better be done to ISO whatever. And anything below that where I say, okay, it's just my own tests and it, it gives you kind of a real world thing, then yeah. Um, anyways, the one thing that I still do want to figure out with resin is, is it an actual isotropic material? Meaning, does it perform the same in like all three, two directions? Sorry. Is there a, is there a layer adhesion in resin prints? Mm -hmm. uh, Stefan, any guesses, any experiences? Well, I also already did my... Um... How was the name of the filament? Pio, uh, Pio Poly, um, no, Siraya Tech Blue Resin Strength okay, Test. That's the one that everyone's been commenting about yeah. because I guess, yeah. Um, and for this one, the material properties were totally isotropic in the end. Okay. If you haven't seen my video, go watch it. Uh, yeah, I have not seen that. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no worries. No, uh, but this was one of the really interesting things in the end, what I learned from uh, using resin prints, that the strength in X direction was totally the same as in as in Z direction. There, I wasn't able to really distinguish it. I tested... Um, I tested normal tensile tests, and they were both like spot on 49 MPA in both directions impact strength was 8.2 to 8.6 but with a lot of scatters so totally totally the same okay yeah uh i just realized i should probably uh, label my prints because you're not going to be able to tell which direction they've been printed in um this was actually one of my problems in the end and i was <laughs> i was happy that i still left sometimes a bit of the brim on the part yeah because yeah <laughs> That does get hard. Um, I was originally only going to do the um, the impact test. Okay. Because I think those, if anything, those are going to have the biggest difference. But I'm just reprinting a full set. Um, ben tested 75% just because I don't want to use that much material. Um, and yeah, if it's, a, if it's a significant effect, then it should be visible in mm -hmm. like the scale down prints as well. Will you also be including one of just like the box standard resins because you did now the comparison with the tough 
Prusa resin. Prusa tough resin, yeah. And the ABS. And the Elgu... I don't know. So the, the Elgu ABS, like, is that actually the standard Elgu resin? I don't know. Oh, at, are at they least, all ABS like? At least on my bottle. Uh, so I have one bottle of Elgu resin. It is not transparent as yours. And it did not have a stack, sticker like ABS like on it. Okay. I am actually not quite sure and I've not checked my, my gray bottle. I should check that. But um, I mean, I've, I've already printed the parts in the, the red ABS like Elgu. So we'll, we'll just do that test. Okay. It's on the material and yeah if, if you you already get the result that it is the Sariotec blue is isotropic and if i get the, i mean if i can confirm it then i think we've got a, a pretty good answer on that topic yeah it is interesting will you also will you also be including the prusa tough resin as well no okay no, it's just too, too much printing these material tests i mean you know it uh <laughs> they just they eat up so much material i've, I've already gone through half a bottle of uh, or half a liter of the red elegu resin um which i had borrowed that isn't even mine um and i don't want to just keep using so much resin for for tests i will be doing more tests i mean I, I'll, I'll not run out of of stuff to print so yeah for the lightweight pla tests i used almost like a full roll of material just for yeah. the test parts and already printing like a full roll of material takes you almost 100 hours or something like that yeah it does add up quickly yeah. and I'm, I've, i always find it interesting when, when people um like for when I, when I was actively still doing Philoween, which I'm, uh, you know, I'll get back into. But when I was, at the time when I was doing Philoween, um, manufacturers would send me like the small 50 gram samples as well. Like here, you can you can test that. And I was like, dude, that's not even enough to, to get started printing. That's not enough to even tune it in. So yeah, I'd always try to get at least a, a 500 gram spool. Um, yeah. Oh, well. Yeah, really looking forward to the tests. Um, it is interesting. I think that there is a lot of misunderstanding and uh, still knowledge mis missing between like the strength of FDM 3D printed parts and resin 3D printed parts and where is the proper application for, for both of the technologies. Yeah. I mean, again, I was really surprised by how strong these resin prints already are. Yeah. Um, because from, from what, I'd, what I had seen, like 20 16 or 15 or something when i when i put that uh form labs test print the device and it just exploded i was like whoops yeah that's not that that's more like glass than anything <laughs> um but yeah interesting test that video will hopefully be out uh, later this week which i don't know when we're getting this podcast on then but yeah it depends on know. if i'm getting the flu or not yeah, <laughs> yeah just let me know if, if i have to edit this one um yeah we'll make it work somehow yeah um I'm, I'm trying to get back on on the weekly upload schedule oh my goodness um, <laughs> which means not every video is going to be a 17 minutes like bombshell <sighs> that i'll uh, drop um <laughs> oh, also my last one it's 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 so horrible how much time and effort it is to make like a 17 18 20 minute video the it's... scripting the editing everything oh I also don't want to do these long videos anymore, but I don't know. The script always ends up being like four pages written in Word. I think with with scripting everything out, with which we both usually do, um, we may be shooting ourselves in the leg uh, or in the foot yeah. or in the wherever you, you shoot yourself if you 
yeah do, do stupid stuff um because if i if i look at our videos that they're they're compressed they've, they've they've got so much content compressed down into as short of what, what we feel is as short of a time frame as possible meanwhile i'm watching channels like jay's two cents uh who recently uploaded a video literally just putting four washes on a graphic card graphics card um just seeing if that makes any day and he put him in the wrong spot i think but anyways um which is just a, a video of hey I'm, I'm trying this out and I'm, I'm like immediately getting some feedback on on whether it works or not which is a very enjoyable watchable video i'm not saying that's that's bad at all but it's a like a 10 minute video which took probably half or less than half of a day uh to film then plus of course plus editing and all that but it's just such a I guess easy is the right word to 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 describe it with. It's just such easy content to to do. Of course, we we do have a bit of a of a handicap with three D printers because everything just takes long. If you like do a small tweak on your printer, yeah, now you've got a three hour print to wait for. Um, but just having that 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 easy, not so deep content where we try like the full scale of oh I've changed that I've changed that I've done that which gamers nexus is really good at <laughs> and I respect the hell out of but I feel like that they're really stressing themselves out over producing content which we are as well maybe we should just try more casual content not not swinging full you know fully towards that but but doing just so I've, I've been in the call with youtube with uh my youtube partner manager which you have as well it's, i don't it's a person you get you don't oh you don't, don't. you should have one i i don't <laughs> okay um <laughs> so if your if your channel is is a is beyond a certain size you get someone to talk to at youtube um so they're going to do channel analyses with you um they're going to give you tips i'm going to work through what are you doing well what you're not doing so well um and like one of the things they always stress is, hey, just have a regular upload schedule. Just have something up at a certain time in the week. And, you know, ma do, making one of my regular videos with everything else that I have to do as a business, uh, having something up every week is just, it's a mad rush. <laughs> and yeah, maybe maybe that's, Maybe having some more more casual stuff is is a way to just get a, a bit of a head start, mm. a bit of a buffer. Well, have some filler videos in in between, and then still have like the good scripted content, kind of regularly. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I I don't want to call it filler videos because again, <laughs> if you Jason sense is no. a channel I, I do enjoy watching. I I mean I don't always get a ton of information out of it, but it's enjoyable. <laughs> it's not filler yeah. stuff. It's just it's it's content but it's a different kind of content which is which might not be what people subscribe to the channel for. <laughs> uh, um but it, it, at least it's worth trying yeah i totally get you yeah i i did it for i think a couple of months uh trying to put out videos every week but it killed me it's not possible anymore and i i wouldn't know how it would work at the moment with all of the organization organ or organizational stuff i also have to do so yeah either yeah. either i have a a manager or something like that who's doing all of the shitty shitty communication well not shitty but stressful tedious, tedious communication work yeah. and things like that or yeah it's two or three weeks for me so yeah we'll see 
Oh well, oh well. Um, but you are always working on stuff, which is good. So I, I, I've seen some some posts on Twitter, um, or one, two, yeah, a few posts. Yesterday there were a couple of your pellet extruder, yes, which is. Tell me more, please. Well, we have talked about that project already in the past. Yes. Because... Have we? Yeah, we have. My, my brain's fried. I'm sorry. <laughs> and I was always like a non-believer. And I was always the opinion that a pellet extruder doesn't properly work and is only usable for printing vases and stuff like that. Um, I knew that there were pellet extruders on the market. Dice Design has one, and there's also now the pellet extruder version four by Maho, by by a Spanish company. I'll I'll put a that's, link in the description. That's the one you have, and the Dice extruder is, is a few thousand bucks, I think. Yeah. So a bit of a different league, and it's also it's it's massive. It's like, huge. I've seen it at Earth, Earth, Earth. Yeah. I think Earth. And it's like. Yeah, you don't put that on a printer, nope. on, a, on a regular printer. You no. put that on a, on a production machine. <laughs> the, the the pellet extruder that I have is, I mounted it now on my, my CR10, and maybe you guys can see it in the background somewhere around there, I think. Um, it is 800 grams, so it is heavier than a normal direct extruder. It's not too bad. It's not too bad, no. no. And it has a really nicely CNC machined extruder screw in it. So not only just like a wood drill. Um, really nice. But it, is, it is still actively heated, right? It, it does have a, an outside heater element. Yes. Um, and it's not just the friction from the screw melting the material, which is what, what I, I believe is, is what m the energy comes from for regular extruders. It's uh, just the no. screw just shearing the material. No, no, no. No, did no. I get that wrong? Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Excuse my. Uh, so yeah, it, it's it is actively um, heated. It kind of looks like a normal hot end um, at the bottom, and it also uses like standard V6 nozzles. Oh. But it is oh. a really nice and compact design, and you can just feed in like PLA pellets. And I, for example, printed that buddy here. Just that was my second print. And it looks really good. It looks really good. Um, it can do retractions, and oh, so how, how how does it do that? Does it just reverse the screw? It reverses the screw, and it kind of has the same effect as with a normal FDM 3D printer. That you're not really pulling the material out of the nozzle; you're just releasing the pressure that is in the nozzle. Right. And supposedly, it works kind of similar with the pellet extruder as well. Um, I. I guess you, you you can only reverse so far before you start pulling in the air somewhere. Yeah, probably. Um, yes, yeah. As I said, I have just printed a small banshee yesterday and today, um, buddy. So I don't have a lot of experience with it so far, but at least it seems to be working. Um, it was kind of easy to install on my, my CR10. Um, the only thing that I had to change in firmware was the steps per millimeter and that was also something i i could have done on the lcd screen yeah um but stepper motor wise it's just driven by a regular nema something nema 17 takes... stepper motor and okay. a one to five ratio planetary gear 
on okay, it. Okay, so it runs with a normal driver. It doesn't need a, a yep. an 82.5 nope. or a big Trinamic or something. No. Nope. Okay. Um, it. Um, they say in the manual, and the manual is unfortunately really sparse, uh, that you should use um, DRV 88.25. Yeah. For more talk, um, but since the the stepper drivers are soldered in on the CR10 mainboard. Mm can change that i increased uh the stepper current a little bit seems to be working it's not hugely fast at the moment but as i said i still need to tune in everything but yeah i'm i'm happy so far it is working it is expensive it is 500 bucks okay but uh, well i think it's well they do really low volume production yeah, which again isn't that bad. Like if you compare that to what a normal extruder costs, yep. if you say, okay, um, anywhere between Hemera, Bontech, whatever, that's like 100 to 200 bucks for a normal high quality extruder, then yeah, 500 bucks isn't that, yep. that, that bad. Like it's it's a novelty product, yep. obviously, but it's reasonable. Yep. So so yeah, uh, does it actually save you enough? So no, okay, let's, let's, let's uh, take a step back. Where do you get your PLA? Because it's not something you just go onto eBay and, and buy a twenty kilogram bag. That is which one I've of done with ABS. <laughs> that that is actually one of the the issues. Uh, for once, there's PLA shortage at the moment, so getting your hands on PLA is kind of hard. I bought PLA pellets in the past on eBay from also a German filament manufacturer. But, but usually those are like crazy expensive. Those yes. are, I've seen those like the one 20 one bucks liter a kilo. bottles, 20, 20, 15, 20 bucks, which is like, yep. okay, why, why am I buying the pellets if yep. I can just buy proper filament for that? Exactly. Price? And it doesn't include any master batch. So it's just like right. pure, transparent, clear resin. So uh, this is actually one of the issues. I don't know. These are the things I, I want to research. I want to know for whom it really makes sense to use one of these extruders. Uh, where can you get pellets which are not that expensive? Which materials can you use it for? Um, but the thing is also really nice because you can also feed it just like grinds and shredded old prints. Ooh. You can um, shred bottles and supposedly print with it and stuff like that. And yeah. this is also a use case that, that might really be interesting. And since my shredder arrived today, <laughs> uh, I think I have a lot of uh, things to, to, yeah, to do with it. Um, but yeah, get, getting back to the PLA pellets. So for me as like a non, not somebody who uses like, uh, who doesn't need a, a ton of PLA pellets, really like a ton, a, liter- a, a literal, literal ton big of- bag full of- PLA pellets. A thousand kilograms of PLA, yeah. It is horribly expensive to buy PLA because you pay 15 to 20 bucks at least per kilogram of PLA. If somebody knows a source where you can just buy 10, 15, 20 kilograms of PLA at a reasonable price, please let me know. Um, You can also buy like pre-colored PLA pellets. Um, Form Futura right. is selling them and also other companies. But these pellets are as expensive as filament. So wow. why should you buy those? Because there is a downside with uh, using such an extruder. Um, you will not be able to 
produce that fine of a details as you can do with PLA. Uh, sorry, as with uh, a filament-driven extruder. Yeah. Uh, but you can just have a feeding system on one of them and feed it with 20 kilograms of uh, PLA pellets in well automatically and uh, use bigger nozzles, bigger melting ratios and things like that. Um, I think on large 3D printers such such an extruder might really make sense. Um, I don't have a clue at the moment if you really have a return of investment at a reasonable well amount of time using it. The thing is just if you're if you're using a large printer and you're saying okay uh, like the one kilogram or 800 gram spools are too small for me I mean you can get 2.6 kilograms you, can, you get can get five or, or 10, 10 kilograms spools if yeah. you want to uh so if if spool size is the issue then uh-uh and you can swap spools i mean that's that's been a feature yeah. that you can do for a while but one of the problems with using filament is and then well okay you can use a super volcano but at some point yeah. um you will have problems putting enough energy into the filament that it properly melts I don't know. As I said, um, I think it's cool that such a product exists. I think it's really cool that I finally have one right here to test out. But I still need to find real applications for it where it yeah. makes sense to use to use such a printer as to use such a print head. Yeah. Um, if you need some ABS. Uh, pellets, some some ABS resin. I still do have like 15 kilograms of uh, <laughs> 949s, which prints beautifully for the yeah. few for the feet of, of filament that I got out of my my DIY extruder before that burned down. Um, yeah, it just needs dry, uh, yeah drying. Drying is, is one of the things you do need to keep in mind with anything that is. Well, I guess with with, with filament just as well. But uh, are there any? accommodations for for installing like a, a small camping blow dryer to at least get some some hot air through the pellets or is it just you dry it and you put it in and you hope it, it doesn't catch moisture probably moisture. so the thing is with pla usually pla for fdm 3d printing it, you usually don't have to dry it but as True. i have uh, heard and also experienced myself if you use PLA in the filler extruder for example to pr produce your own filament it's really crucial to dry the PLA pellets the thing is they delivered a small bag just like a small Ziploc bag of PLA pellets with the extruder they worked flawless I don't have any bubbles in my print I did not have any problems extruding it so I don't know maybe it's not such a big of an issue having them totally like bone dry but yeah still it's it's winter currently so moisture or humidity is not too high we'll see we'll see there are some technical dif difficulties and challenges you probably need to you need to tackle but anyways i it's it's a beautiful product it's it's a really it uh, does look really itty. really nice and polished already yeah. yeah so i don't know sometimes it's just uh you want to have one even though it doesn't really make sense just like the same with a sports car more similar <laughs> <laughs> yeah it does one thing really well but using it daily is kind of an inconvenience yeah yeah so we'll see yeah i'll i'll yeah. keep you posted and i'll produce I, a i'm video sure there's going to be some video content about it yeah definitely definitely Absolutely. yeah uh you know what else is an inconvenience <laughs> Tell me, Tom. Amazon.com. <laughs> uh, 
I, I don't want to go into that much of a rant, but... Um, okay, so Amazon recently kicked me out of their... Amazon.com specifically kicked me out of their affiliate program. Um, if you're not aware, pretty much every Amazon link you see on the internet, internet is an affiliate, pro, uh, affiliate link. So whoever placed that link is getting paid if you buy anything after clicking that link. Which I think what I just said would qualify me for getting kicked out of the affiliate program. Um, because really all they want you to, to disclose is uh, Thomas Alva is a member of the Amazon.com affiliate program and may earn on qualifying purchases. I think that is the exact string of words that you are allowed to say. Uh, anyways, so I, I posted about that. I was surprised about how many other people had already had issues with Amazon terminating their account. Um, me as well. <laughs> you got out of it. Uh, Linus Tech Tips also, I think, is the most prominent one. Um, that was like two years ago or something that Linus Tech Tips um, got hung up on on Amazon.com because they they said something like, "Hey, uh, using the links supports the channel, basically." And that's also what I used to say because Linus Tech Tips was saying it, and I was like, "Well, it's if if they're fine, if they're okay with it, then I guess I'm, I'm okay with it as well." Um, and yeah, they, they basically, Amazon.com basically was like, hey, uh, you can't say that, even though at the time, like it wasn't clear that that was a, an unwanted, um, unwanted wording on the affiliate side. Yeah. So yeah, I tried to appeal like, hey, uh, I've, I've cleared off all the blinks. Like, can, can we be friends? They're like, no, no, no. And also we're keeping your, your unpaid earnings, which is like one to two K uh, US which things and of course the the loss in earnings for the last two weeks i guess uh and of course all the links that have already been placed i'll need to either redo or thankfully i've, I've already uh, switched to using genius where i can just plug in a new affiliate program and it'll automatically redirect that with the new affiliate tag uh, yeah so so what we've been doing here for the last week is uh, scrubbing through all the toms3d.org articles by the way if you're not familiar i do have a website toms3d.org where i have text versions of all the videos i do um scrubbing through all of that cleaning off the wording there uh removing all the non-product affiliate links from the video descriptions uh trimming the youtube videos to not have anything that could resemble uh incentivizing users to use the affiliate links to support the channel so Definitely do not use somebody's affiliate links to purchase products to support them because you, well, I guess you can do it, but we can't encourage you to do it. Um, and I realized, Jeff, that you're being really silent here because you're still an active <laughs> member of the Amazon.com affiliate program. Uh, I will be reapplying to the affiliate program for Amazon.com, obviously, because without it, you can't really, like, dude, that's that's between, I don't know if, you, if they want you to disclose or not, but uh amazon.com has been anywhere between 500 to 2000 bucks a month for me uh you know at the better times maybe a bit more at the at times where i wasn't really promoting or reviewing products a bit less so that really is a an income i need to run this company um as much as youtube ads and uh patreon and all that is very much appreciated without amazon.com you're really in a in a tough spot and with products like the it's behind me somewhere uh the mars pro which is now available but only on amazon.com it doesn't make financial sense for me to 
you know, spend time on that product when it could be spending time on another video that maybe isn't just a product review that may send some people over to Amazon uh, and earns me some affiliate sales. Uh, whereas I could be producing like proper content like Philoween tests where maybe I'm not doing so much in sales, but I'm producing better content or, or more valuable content, I mm -hmm. guess. <sighs> Anyways, sucks. Um, yeah, but really, I've so uh, Joe, 3D Printing Nerd, uh, has come out and said, yeah, they've they've kicked me off once as well um a few smaller channels where where nobody's gonna you know cry after them when they're gone uh have also posted like yeah they've they've pulled some stuff on me as well and it's like guys amazon you jeff bezos just bought like a what 150 billion dollar villa with like original uh whatever original flooring from like 1850 to all dude <laughs> you guys have the money you're paying no tax at all like uh well it, yeah. it is in the guidelines you gotta give him that well yeah yeah well yeah, yeah. but it... i think it would have been at, fair at least, okay that they pay you out in the and then they are not keeping the money from the last two months. Um, so let's compare it to how, for example, YouTube handles copyright strikes. So if you get a copyright strike on your video, if somebody says, hey, this is my video that you've uploaded, um, your ad earnings will be held. Like they'll not immediately go back to whoever claims is the original author. You'll not get it until that case is resolved. So... I feel like at least not totally terminating everything and being like, hey, by the way, you, you're gone now and just being out of the blue. Um, at least getting in touch and being like, hey, you, could, you, could you maybe remove that and like we're, we're going to hold your stuff until mm. you, you clear that up? And yeah, but they're just like, nope, you're, you're gone now. <laughs> um, that kind of sucks. So no warnings, no strikes, no nothing, just it's over. Uh, it's just a huge pain to deal with honestly um the the lost earnings and kept revenue is really the the smaller issue here for me personally um it's it's really the effort and the, the time i have to spend now to restart all of that and and, and get it working again that, mm -hmm. that's keeping me from doing the stuff i actually want to do um and yeah Okay, rant over. Let's move on. <laughs> uh, <sighs> news. Effects news. of the... Uh, what's, it, what's it called? Core, core VR 9. The coronavirus. The new coronavirus on the 3D printing industry. You've, you've put it in there. Do you have anything to... Yeah, because... Any, any details? It is so interesting that for, I think, the last four weeks, I didn't get any emails from Chinese companies praising their True. products. It was True. Chinese New Year. Yes, I give him that. But this is really unusual. It's really unusual. And also, for example, E3D posted a couple of days ago that LDO motors that are producing uh, the stepper motors for the Hermera um, extruder. Yep. They are currently having issues with just like delivering because um, they have problems with staff and things like that. So, um, yeah, it, it was just interesting to see that 
something like that can have such a big impact on on the whole industry probably it was a combination of two things like yeah coronavirus um a bunch of companies just taking precautionary measures like dhl is not shipping to china anymore um because they're saying it's just too much of a hassle to get stuff there Mm. um but also of course chinese new year has been extended uh until the 10th or the 13th i think some factories were shut down until the 13th uh, of february uh but the official chinese new year extension was till the 10th and i think that was like a week or something where i mean chinese new year is a huge holiday anyways it's like christmas uh it's like chinese's version no it's china's version i guess it's a bad analogy but it's on this on this scale of how much impact it has on on the culture and on on what people do it's it's like christmas and a few other festivals Mm -hmm. combined like the entire country goes into shutdown basically um so that that's happening anyways that's happening every year anyways uh but now it's been extended and there's been more precautionary more, more caution taken with with everything going in and out uh mobile work congress has actually been canceled completely yeah um barcelona um after lg some some other companies just canceled their um their booth they just shut down or or stopped the entire show uh yeah how much does how much of an effect does it have on the 3d printing industry i think as much if not more of an effect than on literally everything else (laughs) Because we, yeah. we are we really are dependent on on you know the supply chain that goes through China mm. at one place or another. Yeah, even even meds here in Germany kind of mm-hmm. run low. Uh, medication meds. Oh, oh yes, medication. Yes, yes. Uh, because yeah, some things come from China, and if we don't get like the ingredients for whatever, uh, we uh, can't pre- can't be producing them. I am currently holding back my review of the Android 3 Pro and the Alpha YSU 30 Pro because I haven't heard anything from Gearbest and I don't know if they are shipping, for example, the Alpha Wise. And um, for me also, it currently doesn't make sense to put that review out because if people can't buy the products, why should I do a review of those? So, yeah. yeah uh kind of the same with the uh elegum mars pro with me um if it's a product that's not that's like that doesn't exist for the customer then there's no point in, in yeah. spending time on it so yeah we'll see we'll see Hope. it's on the on the one hand like it's really fascinating to see everything unfold and and see how drastic some of the measures uh in china feel uh where entire um apartment blocks are just shut down and, and locked off and be like hey uh, you know if you have an emergency call this number but you're not getting out otherwise um which apparently is a is a real thing that's happening uh to well to 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 some uh, news of hey this is an actual outbreak being suppressed for a while and held back and uh, yeah there's a lot going on it's it's kind of like plaguing yeah. uh <laughs> watching that uh, on the other end, of course, I, I realized there are people dying uh, and it is a, a serious thing. Uh, but it's not that much worse than the flu. No, The flu no. that we have every year uh, in Europe, in the US as well. It's It might be a bit more contagious, but I've, I've, I'm not sure if it's, if it's any more deadly uh, or, or even as widespread as the flu. Yeah, I, it, it's, it's, I think it's hard 
to tell that at the moment. Um, I, I think probably after the just like the, the, the flu wave or corona wave has died down and we have all of the data, then we can do the comparison. But it's still bad. It's still bad. Yeah. It's, maybe it's a little bit hype, but yeah, we, we can. It, there must be a reason because China is not extending like Chinese New Year for no reason at all because yeah, you're it's not shutting down horrible your, for their economy. Exactly. You're not shutting down your economy for an extra week for no yeah. reason. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's spe- maybe yeah. let's go on and or do you want to say something? Yeah, the As last a, note I guess yeah. we, we don't know where it's where it's going. Like is is have we seen peak corona? Is it is it getting worse? Are we going to see like 50% of, of all Chinese infected or are we going to have a, a new mutation of corona and we're going to see an actual zombie apocalypse? <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Uh yeah, t- talking about 3D printers, and we have talked about that oh, topic we've already. We've talked about 3D printers a lot today, yeah. <laughs> it is a 3D printing podcast. Um, uh, yeah. The Maker Bot Classroom Sketch, the three new 3D printer from MakerBot that was teasered like just a couple of days before we recorded the last po- podcast, was yeah. revealed like like two weeks ago. And uh, yeah, so we we didn't know what it's going to be at, at that point at the last podcast. Now we know um, it's going to be th- two 3D printers that look kind of similar to the, uh, how's it called? Should I actually open our notes for the last one? Yeah, probably. Uh, damn it, I'm so bad with names. Uh, adventure flash forge adventure? yeah flash forge adventure um it, it looks modified so most of the external stuff seems to be changed but it still resembles it quite a bit um yeah if, if you buy the maker bot classroom sketch you'll get two of those machines you'll get a couple of rolls of pla and that's gonna well cost you one thousand eight hundred dollars and shipping <laughs> Probably. (laughs) Uh, People are a bit upset about the price that they are selling like um, not that expensive 3D printer for for such a markup just because it says MakerBot in the front. But you have Uh, talked about that topic already in in the past. And well, I know a couple of teachers. So this classroom sketch kit doesn't only include the printers and the rolls of material it also provides training material it provides like lessons that teachers can do with their students to learn 3d printing to learn probably some things in CAD and stuff like that basic basic things and um, taking that into consideration into consideration I don't think a thousand eight hundred bucks is that bad I mean it's still it, it's oh, still school. a lot of money for that sort of a printer, yes. but yeah, the real value is not the printer or the couple of rolls of PLA no. that you so so adequately <laughs> called it. But uh, yeah, it's it's really the the package. The hey, I don't have to spend a dozen of hours even getting this thing figured out, and it's it's just okay. You have your your curricula, mm-hmm. you have your your your, your lessons cool. there that you can immediately jump into i mean i've not looked through the training material uh and the the information that they provide with it but that's what i'm assuming that's you know that that's really what the the value is here and i i I kind of 
I, I've got a feeling for how much like um, I still know physics, uh, like those physics experiments kits that that you'd have. Uh, Lifey Physik, I think, is one of the big German ones, and you pay like eighty bucks for a super simple, you know, two sticks and a ball or something. Uh, that may, that costs maybe two bucks to manufacture, just because there is that perceived or actual educational value attached to it. Yeah. Uh, so it's the same proposal there uh, with MakerBot. If you're not if you're not teaching, then don't buy the MakerBot classroom sketch package um if you are it might be a good deal yeah definitely and and i think there there might be lots of teachers that are not deep into 3d printing and i also know that by experience and giving them a proper curriculum um on their hand does not only help them in spending less time preparing the lessons but it will also be better for the students because they are getting taught the right stuff with material that was prepared by experts and not by um, somebody who was on a 3D printer training for an afternoon and has to teach 3D printing to to students now. So I think the added value, especially in education, is good. And I also haven't taken a look at the material, but I suppose it is not bad. Yeah, you you would expect that. So yeah, it's yeah, and, it's and, something. It's it's just yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I know how how uh, how do you say that? Uh, how short on time teachers are between <laughs> preparing, actually teaching, uh, you know, correcting tests, preparing tests, preparing uh, lessons. They. I mean, it's not like they just have the time to to spend half a week just going, oh, I'm going to figure this 3D printer out and then prepare something on it. Yeah, it's it's worth it. So yeah. <laughs> All right. Should we move on? Yeah, let's move on to questions. And you have posted like an email so, into yeah, the show notes. I I did get an email. I hope Andrew, this is okay uh, that we discuss this in the podcast uh, because I think. Just typing it out would would probably take me much longer and wouldn't cover it as deeply as I can here. And it's 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 very much interesting uh, for people listening because we've we've seen it before and now it's happening again. So um, Andrew's writing. Hey, uh, sorry to trouble you, Tom. It's all right. So Andrew has designed a three D print and uploaded it to Thingiverse as Creative Commons non commercial. So he has uploaded a SKRS Eaton Fuller Gear Shifter, which is, uh, from what I understand, is a uh, a add-on that you put onto your Logitech G27 steering wheel and shifter and might have a handbag or something, I don't know, um, input device for playing truck simulators. Okay. And I think that's not just the, hey, uh, truck simulator 2019 level, it might, might be a bit more, I don't know. But Anyways, it's a realistic input addendum that you put onto your, 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 your hardware and it makes it more realistic. Um, so that was uploaded for free as Creative Commons non-commercial. Um, now he's found that it is actually being sold by a seller in Canada on Etsy, commercially, obviously, which intuitively would, would conflict with that non-commercial uh, license that he chose. Where, because I, I guess he put 
effort into uh into the model and like the least you would expect if somebody takes your model makes money with it is uh, thank you or at least a small license or something like that yeah um both etsy and tesla have failed to answer his concerns which is expected so what would be the best way to approach something like this very frustrating obviously i understand that uh right the way I approach it is I just publish everything as public domain because I know people are going to take the models and do with them what they want. And uh, I'm not going to be able to defend my rights there anyways. However, I'm not like, that's just my way of, of thinking, my way of approaching things. A few things to note here. So this has happened before with Oh God, I don't know the exact case, but something like this where it, it blew up pretty big. Um, very similar case, somebody uploaded models to Thingiverse. Um, somebody took those models, printed them, started selling them on Etsy or on eBay or wherever, uh, charged real money for it. And it was like, hey, yeah, pff, uh, basically screw you. You uploaded it to the internet. You have to expect that people will take it. And no, by the way, I'm not infringing on your copyright. And it, it looks like it's, it's uh, pretty much the same story here um so the defense of whoever was printing and selling those models basically boiled down to a few or i i guess i guess to to one specific angle and that was that it is transformative work backstory on on copyright Stefan, I'm, I'm hoping i'm not boring you here no cool. it's interesting maybe i can't comment that much but go ahead yeah um and i'm again i'm not a lawyer i i don't take my my word as legal advice um the way i understand it is that the the copyright applies to your original work so say you have uh you make a song you have a song that song as it is performed as it is copied is still owned by you you're the copyright owner you can decide what can be done and who you license it to and, and how it can be copied etc as soon as that is transformed as in with a 3d model what what that what the argument boils down to is, hey, I've taken your digital 3D model and I've transformed it into a physical model. Um, the sellers in that case would argue that that is a, a transformation and copyright doesn't really apply to that anymore. I'm not sure how US copyright works in that regard exactly, but basically they were like, yep, I've transformed it. It's now my design. It's now my part. <laughs> Which is not a very nice argument to make. Uh, because obviously you've not really done anything you've not put any original work mm -hmm. into it to transform it you've just put it in a slicer um but yeah that, that that's kind of what it, what it boils down to now and anything you want when i add to that so far no okay no. two more notes i've put in here um is one copyright really applies to art and i think i've talked about this on the podcast before but or on the i think i've talked about it on, on one of the patreon hangouts um copyright applies to art in the widest of senses um anything that is a purely functional design and does not significantly consist of a design element uh as in like stylized artsy design thing um isn't really covered by copyright it is covered by patents and 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 uh design patents which is like where, where that intersection between copyright and and patents meets a uh, design patent is like a light version of the patent um so you can protect functional designs that, that solve 
an issue in a in a novel way you can patent those um, but you cannot copyright those so that kind of that goes hand in hand as to why patents have to be publicly available and like the patent itself or the function isn't copyrighted but it's protected by by patent that's something that plays into mind so if you have a shifter knob that is modeled after a, a functional knob that isn't like a, a crystal shifter that you see in what in, in, in bmws or volvos that is like wow fancy and and looks cool it's just a shifter um that fits your hand if it's just functional it's also not really protected by copyright as how i understand it uh and then there's the there's a third point which is the threshold of originality or blah, no the threshold of originality originality so if it's if it's too simple of a design, even if yeah. it is considered art, if it's too simple of a design, it is not protected by copyright either because it's like, yeah, you, you didn't intentionally produce something there. It's just like you throw a bucket of paint against the, against the canvas. Like that's, I, I don't think that uh, <laughs> qualifies for a threshold of originality. Uh, at least I don't, I don't believe so. The... So those three things, those three things really play against you, Andrew. Here, um, for defending a copyright case based on, I've uploaded a shifter knob and now somebody's selling that. I don't think it is it is defendable. It is still an asshole move to go ahead and and sell those parts without asking and without paying a license. It is morally wrong, but it's not legally wrong. Again, not a lawyer, just the way I understand things. But there has been a very similar case yes. like that already. And maybe there is more that you'll be able to find somewhere online. But but if, if you're saying that copyright only applies to art, what about copyright of, for example, programming code? Haha. <laughs> um, <laughs> so the... Oh God, I'm 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 digging myself into a hole here. Um, the function of a program is not copyrighted. Um, however, oh God, I'm on really thin ice here, man. Uh, if I remember this correctly, the code itself is is like treated as a as a work of 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 like of a text of a. Mm -hmm. The text itself is protected as it's okay. uh, as the code, but the function is not. Okay. So if you were to rewrite it in your own words, like you can retell Harry Potter in your own words, um, that's okay, but you can't just copy Harry Potter word for word. That doesn't work. Uh, so I think that, that that's how code works in that regard. Okay. Interesting. It's, yeah, I might have presented a lot of, of half knowledge. If you're actually a lawyer and if you're qualified to answer these questions, please let us know below. I would really like to have this like clarified and, and, and answered by professional. Mm. Yeah. I don't yeah. think there are that many uh, 3D printing copyright professionals yet. Yeah, but I but I think there have been similar cases in the past they where have, for sure, yes. Where there were also courts that ruled on certain things which might also apply to this case. Yeah. Very interesting, but also I'm not a lawyer, so I can and won't really comment on that. Yeah. Uh, all right. So hope that answers it. Hope. Hope. I'm. I'm hoping, Andrew, that you're okay with us like discussing this publicly. But I don't think. I mean, if you if you 
look it up you could find we've not disclosed anything that wasn't meant to be public i hope <laughs> if not let us know and yeah. yeah cool all right so next question from kir3d um he is talking about that he has seen the ivy 3d printer which is uh, if you're following if you're following joel telling the um is it well it's it's a delta 3d printer in a really nice box where already last year some the, the manufacturers visited him and he showed it and it was a kickstarter and yada yada um anyways so what they are actually claiming on their kickstarter website that they are using a ceramic liner in their hot end instead of a ptfe one which is supposedly good for not clogging up the nozzle so i don't know if you have ever read something about that topic or if you have, have an have opinion i have not i have just before we started check their kickstarter and yeah it tells or it, it shows that they are just um so that their hot end on the inside looks similar to a ptfe lined hot end but instead of using a ptfe liner they have a ceramic right. tube in there um the advantage of ceramics probably is that it doesn't degenerate at the temperatures that we're using in a 3d printer yeah maybe it doesn't soften yeah and it also doesn't kink and break down over time it's it's much harder as a material yeah. too and it also is a i think also a very bad conductor of heat yes. which might be good for heat creep even though i think ptfe is also not the best for that so Maybe this is one of the reasons. I don't think that it that the ceramic is more slippery than PTFE because PTFE is a very slippery material. It should be fairly close, though. I mean, if we if you look at uh, all metal hardens that just have a machined uh, stainless surface, yeah. if you have those like typical industrial ceramics, I don't know what, what exactly it is, but that that white material that you can see like the ceramic ball bearings made out of, is that yeah. zirconia? Aluminum oxide, so something, Probably, something synthetic yeah. aluminum oxide, maybe. No, I'm I'm no expert, but that white stuff, I think that is that can be manufactured not, maybe not to be, like low surface energy or anything, but it, with a very smooth surface. So it's more mm. like a glass actually, um, yeah. than like you, you imagine a ceramic mug. Um, so really, it's it's a very smooth and and and, yeah, very yeah. smooth material. So I haven't seen it being used anywhere else. They claim that it's better, um, but yeah, I don't know. We'll see if it works and if it's something viable, maybe we can see it in, in other products as well in the future. Um, so I have just left, just yeah, sorry. Just to, to, to get this right. So they are using not just a are they using an entirely ceramic heat break or are just are they just using a ceramic insert liner okay so liner, as i said because it, a, a liner can be a few things a liner can be a physical like a a, a, a a tube you plop into your your heat break like you would a uh a teflon tube but a liner can also be a coating they are using a tube 
So they're using a physical said, tube, okay. They're using a physical tube and it, well, it says ceramic tubing. It looks very simple to the Simpler, similar <laughs> to the piece of uh, a PTFE that it that is in uh, PTFE lined hot ends. Yeah. So it, it could be actual ceramic, that white stuff, which is like a yeah. molded, however it, it's manufactured. Yeah. Um, they market it as anti-clogging ceramic tubing. Now, with Do- have you seen the Jerry Rig Everything on the Samsung Folds on the C Fold, the Samsung's mm-hmm. new Fold phone? Nope. So Samsung actually markets their uh, well, it's a it's a phone with a folding screen. Nope. Um, markets that screen material as glass, as bendable glass. I have read that. Performance-wise, it is plastic. It scratches, okay. it dents, it's horribly soft and not resilient like glass at all. So, what would Jerry or everything or Jerry in that case has? Uh, has guessed maybe that it is like a glass reinforced plastic where they have like glass micro particles in there that gives it some of the properties uh, closer to glass it i mean that's also a possibility that it is actually a a ptfe that has been uh loaded or filled with ceramic particles mm-hmm. though that would i i don't know if that would make sense at all but possibility maybe it's not <laughs> ceramic ceramic i don't know we, we're just we're just digging in the or we're Poking in the dark, digging yeah. in the dark here. Unless we have one in, in our hands to yeah. to take a look at, it. I think it's yeah, uh, it can work for sure. Like I'm very certain that that a ceramic ceramic components can work. And have we seen? We've seen glass hardens before. Have we? Uh, in the early days, people have experienced like it's it's handmade <laughs> one-off parts, but um, like glass hot uh, heat breaks have been a thing for a while. Okay. Well, I can imagine that because glass pipes and tubes is something that you can probably buy with really high precision at medical supply stores or something like that. I I bet, yeah. Yeah. So, can can possibly work? Yeah, can work. Next question. Yes, you've you've Nath- put all of these in. You've got the the overview <laughs> of what we're answering here. Nathanael Stencil. Nathanael, uh, yeah. He, he was asking for affiliate links for our products that we can make money. But um, yeah, we, we we discussed that before. We can advertise. You can only use the product links that we put in the description. Um, a general. Amazon affiliate link. Yeah, no, but so so uh, no, but but what, what Nathaniel Nathan is, is suggesting here is uh, we have physical products up on Amazon and we yeah. link to those with affiliate links. Yeah. The problem here is we don't have physical products up on Amazon. We we don't have anything we sell. I think uh, Chep sells like a kit or something. Yeah. Uh, we don't. Maybe that's something to look into. I don't know. We also don't have a book or any other thing <laughs> you could buy. Uh, I don't know. Maybe one day. Maybe one day. So, so I'm, I'm really not that excited about putting work into a book where where I could just be making videos. Yeah, <laughs> actually, probably. Get a ghostwriter. Uh, yeah, just just sign off someone else's <laughs> book. Yeah. Uh, all right. Next question. Rex Solomon is asking um, if we have ever tested the um, 
sorry. <laughs> Guess. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's getting late already. Yeah. Uh, so he he's asking if we can actually test the precision. So like as the precision of printed circles depending on height, because he has noticed that um, if he is printing a cylinder, the higher up in the cylinder, so the higher the C coordinate is, the less precise the diameter is. And, <laughs> and well, he, he's claiming that it is probably due to the moving bed um, because the part starts wiggling and therefore the circles are not that precise anymore. I think, yes, this could be the case if you really have tall parts because I think, for example, the print head, even though it nicely extrudes material, you will always have like a certain amount of shear force between the nozzle and the part and therefore like deforming it slightly. But one thing that is really interesting in that regard, if you, for example, print very big single wall parts, um, they start buckling. Um, for example, if you print a high cylinder or a big vase, you might see some some imperfections in that print. And that is coming from like only the shrinking of the material at some point start buckling the material, which is really interesting, a really interesting phenomenon. Um, where, where, seen... also, where also infrastructure helps you because uh, yes. it is like getting rid of or adding a bit of stability in that direction. Yeah, where I've seen that really happen is with um, like a hexagonal shape that it was just printing up as like 15 centimeters tall. Um, you know, hexagon has edges yeah. that are more or less rigid because they're edges. And then the surfaces were just like wavy all the way up top. Yeah. So that's exactly what's happening there. It might be what's happening with uh, what Rex Solomon is seeing there as well. Yeah. Um, because mechanically, He's pointing out that Core XY Delta printers might be a better option there. Mechanically, I, I don't think these are any more or less precise in positioning their uh, tool head relative to like your base layer than mm. any of the other printers. Mechanically, it's it's not something that the, the printer can even do. Yeah. And the precision in XY shouldn't depend on the shouldn't be depending on the Z height. Yes. Well, unless I mean. You've seen some of the Chinese printers yeah. where, where, yes, very much that, that is the case, but typically, yeah. no. Yeah. So I don't I don't think that the Core XY will be helping you in that regard a lot if you really print very slender parts that are high. Maybe because you have less of vibration, but also keep in mind buckling problems and also that there's always a little bit of drag of the nozzle on the part. And maybe... I don't know if, if that might really work. Play around with your extrusion multiplier. If your extrusion multiplier might be high enough, maybe the drag is a little bit lower because kind of your your print head or your nozzle swims on the molten material. Yeah. yeah. But I think in the end, there will still be a tiny amount of, of drag force and that drag force might be deforming the part that you're printing and you end up with less precise prints. It's, it's just when... Uh, I don't want to say resonance, but when, when you have like a, a, a very small flaw in wherever and that kind of kicks kicks it out to one side and then mm -hmm. just that keeps propagating through the layers. Yeah. Um, yeah. Something like that probably is happening there. 
Let's do one last question from KR3D. Um, the Dragon Hotend. It seems to be a Chinese mod or version of the Mosquito. Is it better or not? Or on the same par? Too few info about it. Uh, my comment on that, haven't used it. If it's a clone, my first guess would be it's not as good. But again, I've not used it. I've no idea. Have you used the, have you, the Dragon Hotend? No. Have you used the Mosquito Hotend? I've got a pre-production mosquito um, that works. Uh, that does look a bit different than the the ones that are sold. Works is a hot end. Does its yeah. thing. Haven't used it as well. Haven't used either of them. Um, the only thing I found interesting with the dragon hot end was that it was like the mixture of the mosquito heatsink, the copper heatsink, and then on the outside it looked like. A normal aluminum heatsink that had slots in the sides. Wait, let me let me actually. Oh, it's that one. There we go. Um, okay, uh, a few things I actually do want to comment on that design. Okay, so yes, um, so I've I've seen that. I've looked at it, and I'm like, guys, what what are you doing? Um, I'm just gonna make this full screen real quick. So it's. Uh, uh, <laughs> it's getting too late. I've I've forgotten what I wanted to say. Anyways, uh, the yeah, whatever. I've, I I totally forgot what I was, what I was going to say. That I think that marks the point where we should call this podcast quits. Uh, <laughs> when I just lose my my red thread. Yeah. Um, but when when I had looked at it, I one of my thoughts was like, this is not logical the way it's designed. Uh, no. But I can't really design, uh, explain to you why at this point. Yeah, it's yeah. As I said, the the outer heatsink looks a bit. Why do I need it? But mm, I don't know. We have we we both haven't tested it, so we yes. can't comment. We can't, on it. and we shouldn't comment on on how it would perform. Okay. Anyways, right. um, that's gonna be the end of this podcast. Um, Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. <laughs> So, sorry for us being a little bit tired, but it's it's getting late and we're we kind of exhausted. Yeah, I think like one hour, 15 minutes or so is the max we should be doing. <laughs> I know we aim for an hour, but it, it does get long. Um, anyways, yeah, thank you all for watching. Uh, you can support us on Patreon, on the uh, Patreon pages we have linked for Stefan and myself below. Not gonna say anything about Amazon. Uh, and yeah, get subscribed on YouTube. You can subscribe or listen to us on Spotify or on iTunes, on any other platform that carries podcasts. Um, we should be there. And yeah, thank you all. We will hear you and see you in the next one. Goodbye. Bye.